the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Last time we'll be together in the new in this 2020. What a year it's been. We'll talk about that at the end of the program. We'll wrap things up. We'll talk with our old stalwart guests, uh, Dr. Brett Decker tonight. Uh, and we'll also talk with uh, John Schlafly and catch up a little bit on the new year. But what a year 2020 is. I, I have to say, I have this sort of strange relationship with time in 2020. It's been so such a strange strange year uh, all kinds of things happening and but mostly upsetting our our, our regular schedule like uh, our what is it called the uh, uh, the uh, the rhythms our our, our our time rhythms and 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 it just seems like you know between the school year for kids and sports and all sorts of stuff it's been wild and i know a lot of people have had tough times a lot of people have a lot of fears. And obviously the political the election the stolen election is terrible. A lot of things that are going wrong but Really, be encouraged because this is a great country, great people, great, great uh, kind of uh, uh, fabric that holds us together, and we will not lose. We will not lose it. We've got to keep fighting for it, but we don't lose it. So I hope you'll finish on a bright note. We'll talk at the end of the program a few more details on that. All right, but I want to right now, what you need to know, this is a coming to a head. This whole thing's coming to a head. You know, down in Georgia, they have a, a, a tech guy said, I just hacked into the, the poll books for the Georgia special election. That's what he announced publicly at a hearing. Meaning that those were hackable other times, and 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 who knows, right? Pennsylvania has a state senator, excuse me, a state rep who puts out a report with a bunch of other legislators, and they say, "Hey, look, you know, you um, you you have a a problem here. There's too many people voted more than registered." And now that the secretary of state says, "Oh, you just don't know what you're talking about." All kinds of questions raised. Here's what you need to know: is why haven't we seen more of this evidence, both in public? That's because the information war is being waged against us, but also. So in courts, why haven't we seen some of the courts take this up? And the reason why, in my opinion, is they keep saying, well, that's just a little problem. That's not a big enough problem to change election. At this point, there's so much fraud, so much abuse, so much uncertainty, and especially in the six slash seven states, Michigan, Wisconsin, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Nevada, Nevada, I add in there, New Mexico, Arizona. All these places where they clearly, then they're showing you they're doing it again in Georgia, doing the same thing again in Georgia. They're having people vote by mail. They're not signature checking. I mean, this is insane. And what you need to know is it's coming to a head. And congratulations today to Senator Josh Hawley for stepping up and announcing that he will join Congressman Mo Brooks in challenging the electoral results on January 6th. Now, be clear on this. There are two tracks that are coming together, two train tracks that are coming together. One is, and we'll talk later to John Schlafly about his recent column on this, Mike Pence has a role under the 12th Amendment of the Constitution. It was passed, the 12th Amendment, very early in our nation in order to clean up some of the concerns about how the Electoral College was working. And it made clear that the system had to have this check on it. And the check, in fact, Jefferson played this role early in, I think it was 1801. But the check on this is that the president of the Senate, vice president 
of the United States, who plays that role, has to receive the Electoral College votes and make a judgment, assess a judgment for himself. It's it's in a joint session, that's true, but the session of Congress is to witness the conduct of this vice president acting as the president of the Senate. So on January 6th, that's going to happen. Okay, that's one thing. And a lot of us are saying, hey, Mike Pence, you see the fraud. You got to do something about it. You got to say, hey, I can't accept Pennsylvania. It's too corrupt. I can't accept uh, Michigan. It's too corrupt. Wisconsin, too corrupt. We want them to do that. But the second uh, uh, track is that the 1887 law was passed that allows a congressman and a senator to pool together and object, at least one of each. Object in writing to the Electoral College. At that point, the two bodies go back and have a debate. And the debate takes place right then. So you meet at one o'clock, one o'clock on the 6th of January, there will be a meeting of this joint session in this big chamber. It'll be the House chamber. And at that point, the objections will be made. Now, Senator Hawley joined in. Thank you, Senator Hawley from Missouri. What a heroic thing. All of the senators are pressuring, saying, don't do it. We don't want this. We just want to move on. Mitt Romney, Ben Sass, all these people are saying, oh, no, no, we don't want it. And Josh Hawley said, no, no, it's not good enough. This hasn't been right. And so he's challenging it. Huge deal. Congratulations to him. Thank you, Senator Hawley. Huge, huge kudos to him. But here's what happens next. They have that debate and they take a vote on it. And remember, on January 6th, if the if the problems of the election are so clear that the objections and or the concerns that Mike Pence has are, are make it so that you don't have a, a, a majority of the Electoral College, then there's a vote in the U.S. House. One vote per state delegation to, to pick the president. It's happened before. You don't li- if you don't like it, then you don't like the Constitution. If you don't like it, you don't like the Constitution. So watch what's going to happen. That we're building towards January 6th. By the way, January 6th is going to be a huge event, 10 a.m. on the Capitol towards the Supreme Court. I, along with all the Stop the Steal uh, folks, are, are, are hosting one of these massive rallies. There'll be other rallies around the city. January 6th, we need our voices heard. We, the people, will not be denied. We will not have our election stolen by the Chinese, stolen by, the, by uh, Zuckerberg. We're, we're sick of this. There's nobody that can convince us that this was a legitimate election. It's not. And if we're told to just just quiet down and take it, that's not the American tradition. So January 6th, building, building, building... I hope you'll stick with us, stick with uh, the, uh, the, the the Salem Radio Network, as well as the Answer San Diego, all of our work. Go to Pro America Report. I'll do lots of updates. And you need to be engaged. We, Stop the Steal, have made over a million calls and emails to senators and reps telling them, stick with it, fight for us. And Senator Hawley took that call, and he accepted it. Thank you again to him. What a heroic thing for him to do. We certainly appreciate it. All right, we got to take a break because we got too much to do. And when we come back, we will talk with John Schlafly and Brett M. Decker, track all this stuff, and we'll finish up the show with just a few minutes at the end of the program, and we'll have a few thank yous and a few wrap-ups and things to do in the new year. So uh, we'll come on back for that again. Visit ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up for the Daily Wink. You know, one thing you could do is if you've got good friends, people you love, Go to ProAmericaReport.com and sign them up for the Daily Wink email. All right, that's a good idea. We'll take a break and be right back. Ed Martin here on a ProAmerica Report, back in a moment.
Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Last chance in 2020 to talk to our old friend, Dr. Brett M. Decker, the New York Times bestselling author, uh, the author of many books. Uh, he previously served as a Wall Street Journal reporter out in Asia and also the editorial page editor at the uh, Washington Times. He currently sits on the board of advisors of the USA Today's editorial page or op-ed page or something like that. So you'll see him writing there uh, periodically. And he's a professor at Defiance College in Ohio. Welcome, Dr. Decker. So 2020, the, 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 the worst year of your life? I mean, I don't mean the worst year of your life, but the worst year in our lives in terms of all the stuff that's gone on. The, the, what do you think? You know, I mean, I think as far as a stolen election and sort of evidence that um, our democratic system is compromised, it's definitely going to lead into some of the worst years. I mean, if you think of if these Senate elections, uh, Senate runoffs don't go well, imagine Democrats having the White House in control of both houses of Congress and an unreliable Supreme Court. I, to, so I, I, think, I think we're definitely in a dire place. As, as far as this year, I, you know, I think I'm starting to repress it a little bit, the memory of it. <laughs> and I'm, right, I'm, right. I, remember, I remember, you know, ringing in 2020 and having, you know, I, go, I usually go to Palm Beach every New Year's and see friends down there. And, and I, I'm almost starting to skip this entire year, just poof, you know. I think that's the way to do it. <laughs> it's gone. You know? Well, and I think actually a lot. I think a lot of people actually. I think they feel that way because time is so strange. The, the routine, routine, as you point out, the routines people had, just basic routines. Go to school. School ends. You know, school ends on such and such a day. Whether you're in high school, college, a grammar school, it ends in you know May, June, sometime this year. Nothing. Sports starts such a time. You know, World Series such a time. Everything is upside down, and and people's uh, sort of uh, uh, kind of filter on time is is warped, but. Now, Things like the economy, and and I, you know, I was thinking about this, Doctor Decker. We're talking with Doctor Brett M. Decker. Is the economy, um, is the economy that looks strong because of Wall Street? Is it less strong for regular folks, or is it come? Was it coming back? What's your sense of the overall health of the economy? Well, you know, the thing about Wall Street, right? You don't, you don't have to be this, uh, you know, this big jet-setting investor for Wall Street to work well. Everybody has investment portfolios. So uh, one of the great things about Wall Street is it is kind of an equalizer as far as distributing wealth, because blue-collar workers, middle-class workers who have um, investment accounts, they see a big boon in that, too, right, when, when Wall Street's doing well. I mean, the danger is also, since most people don't have pensions now, that can get wiped out if things go bad overnight, right? So... Um, unless you take profit from Wall Street and then diversify that into something else, it's not necessarily you don't necessarily get long-term gains, right? So we can have record after record after record on Wall Street, um, but unless you turn that into some kind of other asset, you can lose it as fast as you gain it, right? So a lot of it's wealth on paper, which uh, can get get burned away quickly. So, uh, but I think what we need is the fundamentals, right? You need. Um, we need to get back to production and consumption and all these other signs of national wealth, um, you know, home, uh, new home construction, right? So all these things that are typical signs of wealth beyond Wall Street. What's dangerous is we've been going on with sort of life support of a long time of a lot of negative indicators, um, and then Wall Street being the one that's making everybody not panic, you know, or at least under Trump and right. COVID, we had great employment. 
a lot of those other indicators are kind of sitting there and, okay, this could be trouble soon territory. And, and I think that's it's pretty dangerous, especially when you have a government that's going to, you know, a Biden administration that's going to pretty soon be um, could, could have like disincentives for companies to invest and build, right? So, and, and hire. And I think that's the dangerous part. Yeah. We're talking with Dr. Brett M. Decker. All right, now, as to China, in 2020, uh, I mean, the, the, one of the many things Donald Trump did in his in his term in office, first term, uh, is he clarified that we are in a war. I, I mean, I think it is a war with China. Um, but did China win? I mean, this this leg? Because they certainly didn't want more of, of Donald Trump. So I, I can't think that they actually uh, sat by and just didn't, you know, didn't try to influence the election, didn't try to influence the coverage of the of 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 of, uh, of issues. You know, their tentacles are everywhere. Is is the communist regime winning? Oh, I think they definitely are. And, and you know, China doesn't have to do all these things that supposedly everyone's trying to say Russia was doing or whatever, like Russia, right? They have like an army the size of Sweden now or something, right? Like everyone thinks Russia's right. a big scary thing, you know? They, they have no money, they're poor, and their their military doesn't work. So China doesn't have to do this stuff because they're this big giant where everyone goes to offshore everything. So they, they do do it, right? They have a whole military of just people hacking and their accounts and all that kind of thing. But they already have everyone bought off, right? People used to making their cheap junk over there. So everyone's already kind of, uh, so many people are already on the hook to China. So, um, you know, my my younger brother and I were talking about this, about Trump and Trump, like the election and all this stuff. And it's kind of like, you know, the deep state and the international order thought they had everything kind of gamed. And then Trump winning last time in 2016 totally caught him off guard, right? They didn't know right. someone outside the usual establishment could could come out of nowhere and win like that. But, you know, Trump had a bunch of unusual assets as far as his ability to get attention and, and have the masses show up and things like that. So I, I think they were so caught off guard by that that it, it was almost inevitable that no matter what they had to do, this international order and our the deep state in its own country weren't going to let it happen again. And, and I think you know, a lot of that is uh, all these connections to China and everything else, this idea of this borderless world, right? You know, right, and, it, and right. if you think about it, what aren't we complaining about that, gets, that happens in China and India and a lot of these places? Like, everyone want, wants to act like America is this awful place, all these protests and burning cities down. Look at the places no one's saying anything about, the human rights abuses in all these other countries, right? And like, nobody cares what's going on in Saudi Arabia or Kuwait or China, right? Let's just do right, more business right. with them, right? So, you know, I think we, we learned a lot this year. In a way, the mask has been kind of pulled off, uh, I think, as far as what, 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 how, how big and powerful the enemy is. And I, I think that's useful, but it's also pretty scary. Because what's what's our opposition? I don't think it's much. Well, we, and we're talking with uh, Dr. Brett M. Decker, and uh, and so let me pull back for the politics of this. I mean, you, you, I, I often refer to the famous uh, Decker memo that you wrote to uh, Donald Trump. I don't know f- three or four years before he ran, saying the path to win is uh, through Pennsylvania and Michigan and Wisconsin, and this the, the sort of lower middle class, the sort of people who saw their jobs go away and saw them left behind and didn't understand how the Democrat Party was now for all the illegals and all this kind of stuff. So you have this perspective now. What what where are 
where where is that movement? Where is the sort of Trump sort of populist America first movement now in terms of politics going forward? Did obviously it won down ticket a lot, right? It didn't if the presidency I think it was stolen, but if the president didn't if Donald Trump didn't get a second term, that's a different thing than down ballot. It certainly was winning. And yet the people with power now, right now it's Pelosi and McConnell, could be Pelosi and Schumer and Biden perhaps. They're going to be for more of what I would say is the old formula of more trade, multilateral trade deals, more immigration and amnesty. Where's that Trump movement or America First movement fit into the politics of the right now and, and, and what's coming? Yeah, it's a, you know, it's a great question. And I think the, the, da- the problem is going to be uh, Pelosi and, and Schumer and the Democratic leadership re- returns to that old formula. I think the problem is the Republican leadership is mostly going to return to that old formula, too, right? They they kind of went kicking and screaming along with Trump because they saw <laughs> right, right. thousands of people at these rallies. And he was so popular right. with their base. And if they did something right. he didn't like, he would zing them on Twitter and they would get 10,000 phone calls to their office in Washington. Well, with him kind of out of the way, they can go back right. and they can go back to their old ways. And I, and I, and I think... The problem is this this big, huge, massive base that he mobilized and pulled from both parties, right? I mean, a lot of Democrats voted yeah. for Trump. Um, I think they, they end up going back to not having a spokesman, not having a voice. You know, if you look at the, the, the races Pat Buchanan ran for president, he, he was like one state away from going into the deep south into Super Tuesday and knocking off Dole. Hmm. Well, right. you know, Buchanan was a precursor. His 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 platform was almost exactly the same as Trump's. And he was wildly popular. And he was another engaging personality, right? But it's because people people like the message. They want to take on China. They don't want to send all our jobs overseas, right? Um, right. You know, a lot of Americans do like the pro-family agenda, despite the media ignoring it, right? So, uh, you know, Buchanan didn't get done. Trump did. But we have a couple decades, right? Even that, it was kind of an extension of Reagan, right? Reagan was uh, not totally free trade on things, right? Protecting and 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 revitalizing like Harley Davidson and other industries. So that's actually what the middle America wants, but nobody gives it to them. So uh, you know, yeah. every time we win and then we lose, we're like, who's a replacement? I don't, I don't, I don't see one out there right now. All right. One last question. I'm going to set it up for you. I want your one prediction for 2020. I'll give you mine. No matter what, no matter what, the the Congress and the president, no matter who it is, will do a massive infrastructure infrastructure spending bill. It'll be it'll be a couple of trillion dollars, and they'll rebuild roads and bridges. They'll try to buy off the local uh, economies by flooding them with money. That's my prediction that there'll be this. Finally, there'll be this infrastructure bill because I don't think they can get away with more uh, more uh, COVID stimulus. I, I, I don't think people will tolerate much more. But if they say, "Hey, we're going to finally clean up your roads," people think, "Oh gosh, thank goodness that's coming." So that's my prediction. No matter who the president is, who the Congress is, they'll spend gazillions of dollars. I'm not. By the way, I'm not. The only difference will be if there's a president or Democrats in charge, they'll they'll make things more union friendly and they'll make all kinds of rules. But in general, that will be what happens. What What's your one prediction, Dr. Decker, uh, for 2020? Doesn't have to be political. Doesn't have to be even uh, legislative. But uh, one big thing that's coming in 2020. Well, we're everyone's ignoring our debt, our debt to our debt to um, uh, GDP ratio. We're about to surpass 30 trillion dollars in debt. 
and we're going to do that in the new year, early in the new year. It's going to become unsustainable. And then also, the Detroit Tigers are going to surprise everybody and win the World Series. <laughs> there we go. The now we get lun- lun- lunacy. All right. Very good. Well, Happy New Year, Dr. Brett M. Decker. We will talk in the new year. Have a great one. I appreciate you coming on very much. Happy New Year and many more. All right. All right, we'll talk. We'll take a quick break and be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We're talking to John Schlafly today. John Schlafly, one half of the Schlafly Report, the weekly column that posts over at townhall.com. John Schlafly authors it with his brother, Andy Schlafly, and they are two of the sons, two of the children of the late Phyllis Schlafly. He did a column weekly for many decades. Again, townhall.com. You can read it there. And also, we archive them over at phyllisschlafly.com. Uh, John Schlafly, the column is about Mike Pence at doing his job under the Constitution. He is on January 6th to receive the electoral college votes in the in the senate as the president of the senate and your uh, plea is that he do what well first of all ed i'm sure that uh, some some of your faithful readers uh, carry around a pocket constitution with them and i would just say <laughs> right. the 12th amendment because that lays out what is to be done and uh, we've all heard an awful lot of talk about how the process of counting the uh, casting and counting the electoral ballots works, and much of it, much of this chatter is really wrong. Uh, some of it derives from a law that Congress passed in 1887, but there's no constitutional basis for saying that the uh, that the House and Senate, and, and you have to have one member from each house to challenge, and then they would retire to their separate chambers and all. All of that was not in the Constitution. So what the Constitution says in the 12th Amendment is that the Vice President of the United States, in his job as President of the Senate, uh, presides over a joint joint meeting of the two bodies, but it's not... the members of the Senate and House are not to do anything. They're not to vote on anything. They're not to prove on anything. They're there to witness what the vice president does. And the vice president shall, in the presence of the Senate and House representatives, open all the certificates, and the vote shall then be counted. So it's all up to Mike Pence. It's up to him. And what Mike Pence should do uh, in our opinion, is to say, well, uh, we have conflicting ballots from the states of Arizona, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Nevada. And so, therefore, we simply cannot determine here um, who gets those votes. So, therefore, we're not counting them. And so, therefore, um, no candidate won a majority of the electoral votes on the day appointed, which was November 3rd of 2020. Now, the Constitution then says exactly what happens next. What happens next is that the House of Representatives goes over to its chamber, and it proceeds immediately to take a vote for President of the United States on the basis of one state, one vote. And that's what should happen on January 6th, uh, 6th, uh, Thursday of next week. 
Wednesday. I, 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 I think we cut out. Did I cut out? Uh, uh, I'm going to cut out there. We'll see if we get him back. We're talking with John Schlafly of the Sh- of the Schlafly Report. His column, which covers this, is available uh, on the uh, uh, townhall.com and also over on... Um, VillageLaffley.com, and that, and we, he were talking about the 12th Amendment and the Constitution, how it fits together for this January 6th date. There are literally hundreds of thousands of patriots who are coming to Washington, D.C. I've talked about it before. If you go to Jan6.org, Jan6.org, you can uh, you can uh, uh, find out more of the details there. But the, the uh, events that are to take place are governed by the Constitution, as John Schlafly has pointed out, and as he, uh, in his column, uh, makes clear the uh, the issues. You know, this is not one where you have to make it up. There's there's already a, sort of laid out exactly what's supposed to happen, and the only question is. Um, can what John and Andy Schlafly assert in their column take place? We'll see. Um, now, the news, as I mentioned earlier in the program, is that myself, along with uh, Josh, uh, excuse me, myself, along with uh, Ali Alexander, two of the organizers of Stop the Steal, had the early notice that Josh Hawley, Senator Hawley, would actually file an objection. He will join Mo Brooks and about 20 other members of the Congress uh, who will be objecting to uh, the Electoral College's vote to find out, you know, saying, hey, this isn't reliable. Now, uh, John, do we have you back now? Uh, hello, Ed. Uh, I, oh, oh, good. Oh, good. I got you back. Uh, John, I was just laying out um, uh, for the listeners. On January 6th, when does, in your description of what Mike Pence does, it's, as you say, the Senate and House are observing. They're not doing anything. When does the objection of, of now Senator Hawley and Mo Brooks and, and Congressman Mo Brooks and others, when does that fit into the timeline of what you're describing? Uh, well, it doesn't. Uh, there's nothing in the Constitution about that. That business about a one senator and one House member uh, objecting, uh, that comes from a, a law co- passed by Congress in 1887 after the last time uh, that, the, that there was disputed electors. And that law has never been tested or upheld or overturned. It simply has sitting, been sitting out there. And but as you know, as your listeners I'm sure have heard, uh, one of our good friends, Congressman Louis Gohmert, uh, yeah. joined with Kelly Ward of Arizona, uh, the state chairman of Arizona, who sure. was a Senate candidate, right. in a lawsuit that was filed on Monday, uh, asking a federal judge to uh, essentially uh, uphold the Constitution and declare that all this business about the House and Senate voting on the electors is not in the Constitution and therefore should not take place. And it's really oh, well, well, hold, hold, yeah, hold, and, and if if the right, vice so, president if the vice right. president rules from the chair that no candidate has a majority of the valid electors, then then the House of Representatives proceeds to vote for the president on the basis of one state, one vote. So uh, are you so uh, but now we have had in the past other senators and congressmen object to the Electoral College. Have we ever had that debate where they go for two hours? There's under the law, the law from the late 1800s that it would be would predate the Constitution, the constitutional amendment that uh, or no, it would not. It would be post the Constitution. Go ahead. No, no. The the 12th Amendment is older than that. So. But, right. Uh, so, but, it, but the but the law of 1887, yes, it has been followed. Uh, I guess you know ever since it was passed, but it was never been challenged. Well, now it has been challenged, 
And uh, there's good argument made by Louis Gohmert and Kelly Ward that all that stuff about the House and Senate protesting and then having separate votes, that's not the way it should work. That's not in the Constitution. The Constitution leaves it to the vice president to count the ballots, and if there's not a majority, and in my opinion, Ed, there isn't a majority of valid electoral votes right now. And so mm-hmm. that's what the vice president Pence should declare, and he, de- he declares that in the presence of the Senate and the House. But the, 12th, but the Constitution doesn't say that the Senate and House do anything about it. They simply witness what Pence does. And then if he did one, and John, John, if, 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 if then the House proceeds right. to vote for president on the basis of one state, one vote, and it would. Uh, we think that uh, I think that uh, President Trump would get twenty-seven out of the fifty state votes in that election, called a contingent election. And so, John, what? Who? If the, if, if 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 Vice President Pence, acting as President of the Senate, stand, stands up there and he receives whatever the paperwork, and he says, based on what I have assessed as the duly you know, Senate President, I'm here a constitutional officer. I've been elected. I have this position based on the setup we have. I make this judgment. It's within my range to uh, my power to make this judgment. There's not a majority here ruled. Who can object to that? Is it is it can can the the body gather? They can yell and scream, but there's no obvious. Can they run across That's the street right. to the U.S. Supreme Court? No, that, no that they, would they, they they cannot because you know for one thing they you know we speak of the Congress, but the Congress is not one body, and there are no rules for the House and Senate combined to vote on anything. Right. Uh, right. Only the separate right. houses can vote, and they have uh, two elaborate rules. Uh, so all we have is the Constitution, which says that if the vice president determines and declares publicly that no candidate had a majority of the electoral ballots, that the procedure is then that the House of Representatives uh, assembles immediately thereafter and votes for president uh, uh, on the basis of one state, one vote. All right, John. Let me that, let me ask you this way: We're talking 12th, with John. That's what the Twelfth Amendment said. Now, your your listeners should should pull out their pocket constitution and read it. It's all there. It's very clear. It couldn't be clearer. Well, and 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 my my the point here is if if you're if you're against your position and you say, oh no no, there's no way that the uh, the, that the founders or the Twelfth Amendment ratified by the states properly done that there was no way they intended for one person to have all that power. The answer is doesn't matter what they intended. It says it in the Constitution, right? I mean, you don't you, you may you may wish it was done and amend the Constitution and change it to the 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 uh, the, the, the the vice president as president of the Senate is acting in a ministerial manner and only has to call out the names on pieces of paper. That's not what it says, is your argument, right? Don't, you can't read into it what you prefer he do. You can only say what the Constitution actually says, right? Well, yes, the, the Constitution is the charter of our liberties and the foundation of our government, and we've got to follow it. Uh, and, you know, maybe it's, you know, maybe, I mean... Uh, sure, there's a question. Uh, uh, you know, someone could raise a question that how is it fair that a, a person who is himself 
on the ballot and running for office right. should be the very one to make this decision. Well, okay, uh, I hear that objection, but that's what the Constitution says. And it has happened right. before. Uh, because in the year in 1801, Thomas Jefferson was the vice president. He presided over the Senate, and he uh, announced the electoral votes, and uh, you know, which resulted in his election as president. And so it has happened before. It's happened at least once. Uh, so if 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 Mike solution, if, and Pence can if Mike Pence Jefferson. if Mike Pence doesn't show up, say he gets he gets uh, sick and he stays home. What's the ro- what's the role? Is it Grassley as the president yeah. pro tem? I think it so. Is. Yeah, it would be our fr- our good friend Senator Chuck Grassley, who who like President Trump survived a bout of COVID and and he's now in perfect health and raring to go at age eighty seven. And more well, and as you and I said, fact, uh, you, you and I said, his chairmanship of the Judiciary Committee, where he performed yeah. so admirably. Uh, a couple of years ago, in the with Brett Kavanaugh. Well, and just to finish it off, John, we got to go. We got to run out of time. As uh, you and I were with him uh, three months ago, he came over to our Phyllis Schlafly Eagles office in D.C. And and you and I both, I think, first of all, great to see him. We had a great visit. He was on our, our Eagle Countdown. But I think I at least can say for me, I think it's true of you. He'd forgotten as President Pro Tem, he travels with a full set of security because he's in the line of succession right up there. So it was uh, extraordinary to see the attention on uh, him coming. So all right, John, happy a new year to you. We'll look forward to talking in the new year. Thanks very much. Thank you, Ed. All right, we'll take a break. Make sure we'll post that column up there. Uh, you got to read John and Andy Schlafly. It's uh, right at the heart of what's going to happen in just a few days, so you'll want to check that out. And we'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Mrs. Schlafly was a courageous and articulate voice for traditional values and common sense for more than 70 years. Now, continuing that legacy... The president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Throughout this week leading up to New Year's, I've tried to present different ways you can use New Year's resolutions to become a more effective grassroots conservative activist. You can be a more informed citizen by staying up to date on current events. You can be more influential by working to pass legislation you care about. And you can be more engaged in your child's education to protect them from liberal indoctrination. Today, I'd like to present one more challenge in 2020 to help you become the most effective leader you can be in 2021. In 2008, Phyllis Schlafly delivered an iconic speech charging passionate Americans to find their place in the conservative movement. Right now, you should do the same. I'm sure you have a million things on your mind right now as we transition from the Christmas season to the new year, but I'd like you to please stop everything for just a moment to contemplate this all-important question. What's your place in the conservative movement? Liberty is a cause that must be defended. All of us have something to offer in this fight. If you're adept at technology, consider using social media platforms to share the conservative message with friends and acquaintances. Post meaningful and respectful commentary on the issues of the day. A fresh conservative perspective might be just what people around you are looking for. If you prefer to do things in person, why not explore the possibility of getting involved with a local club affiliated with your political party? There's so much to do even outside of the regular campaign season. 
Volunteers can do a lot of great work passing out literature or having important dialogues with fellow citizens at local community events. If you hold a position of leadership at a house of worship or other religious organization, consider how you might amplify your voice for conservative principles. After all, the positions we take on policy are a direct result of the principle we find in the Lord's Word. No matter who you are or what you do, there is a place for you in the conservative movement. Make it your New Year's resolution to find that special place made just for you. We need you. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. In 2016, the conservative movement lost one of our strongest leaders, but Mrs. Schlafly's work and her voice continue through this radio program, our work in Washington, and the influence you have in your own community. Be part of that legacy at phyllisschlafly.com. We encourage you to bookmark phyllisschlafly.com. And join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Well, thank you for all you do. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Very appreciative. We have had a great 2020. I think it's a great 2020. Ups and downs, all kinds of uh, problems. Don't get me wrong. There's a million things happening, always happening, wondering, questioning, and you have to worry and fight. But here's what you know in America. The people in this country have come together to form a nation, and the nation is formed under the banner of the Judeo-Christian tradition. And from the beginning, that tradition knitted us together and still does. It does. Antifa can't pull it apart. You know, Black Lives Matter, racism, all these people that are nasty and mean to people. They don't pull us apart. Fake news doesn't pull us apart. It's tough. Communist China doesn't pull us apart. It's tough. But we have been bound together in communities, families, communities, and our nation. It's extraordinary. So I want you to celebrate that in 2020. Lots of things to worry about. Don't get me wrong. Tons of things to worry about. You know, we have to worry about our health. We have to worry about how, how, how seemingly inconsistent our scientists have been, how they make us, you know, kind of crazy with they say this and that and the other thing. We have to worry about all that stuff. We have to worry about our politicians, both parties that don't do good. We have lots of things to worry about. The big thing we have to worry about is communist China, which I think is really, you know, at war with us. We should pay more attention to that. But the fundamentals are, are wonderful. And what I want to challenge you to think about now is the pieces that we can do. We can't, you know, the old uh, story, you can't, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? You know, you can't, you can't eat an elephant in one bite. You know, you can't do, you can't change back some of the things that were disappointed in one moment, one, you know, uh, you know kind of rally. You got to do it over time. And, you know, I once had, I'll tell you this quick story, I once had a wonderful man speak to my wife and I. We were at um, the, uh, in, in Kansas City, uh, 18th and Vine, there's a jazz museum. And then down the block is the Negro Leagues a Baseball Hall of Fame. And we went there. It's extraordinary. It's great, great place. And great museum. Really well done in such history. And we met a, a man named Mudcat Grant, who was a Hall of Fame pitcher. Pitched to the major leagues too, the the the, the um, uh, major leagues after integration. But he spent much of his career in the uh, in the Negro leagues, and he gave a speech in front of us. And he said he talked to kids all the time, and he would say to the kids, "Hey, kids, you know, every class you have, the last ten minutes of the class, you start to be tired, and you think about going out to play, and you're going to do something else." He said that ten minutes, if you take ten minutes every t- every class and add them together, he said it turns into hours and hours and hours. And he said, "I'm just going to tell you, take the ten, take the ten minutes." And use it for something in your life. 
take the 10 minutes. And the point was, not that you could solve everything, but you got to take a little, you got to make steps. You got to take steps. And what we learned in the last two months is that we can build a movement that's not beholden to any political class, any political party, but just a we the people. So the challenge to you is, hey, move, take the pieces you can. Don't try to do more than you can. Get what you can do. Make phone calls, emails, contacts, pray about it. But we can do it together. We're going to do it in 2021. We need to do it more than ever. So thank you for all you do. And we're looking forward to a great uh, 2021. Thank you in a special way to Noah, our great technical director, for keeping us online. Uh, Steve and the team at the uh, Answer San Diego is uh, Randy, others, Andrea Kay, so supportive. Just a great team there. But Noah does a great job keeping us uh, keeping us shining for it. So we appreciate that. Thank you to Joanna on our team for helping book guests. But mostly thank you for you to, thank you to you for listening. And I look forward to a great 2021. It's Ed Martin. Signing off one last time in 2020 on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you in the new year. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego.